theories, and one of the things that we, we, we talked about and discussed last week was we have to make sure that we don't have too narrow of a mindset um, when it comes to Christmas, okay? A lot of things are shrinking when it comes to Christmas. Now, when I say that things are shrinking, it doesn't mean Walmart, Home Depot, and Lowe's, and Target, and wherever else, because the moment that the candy uh, was done being passed out on Halloween, Christmas decorations were already up, all right? They were already trying to sell you trees and all of that, but the manger scene and, and, and what Christmas has always been about, it has been narrowed over the years, and we've seen a lot of that has been happening. And we want to make sure, we talked about this last week, we want to make sure as a church that we don't do the same exact thing when it comes to Christmas. So many times we go, okay, we're going to talk Christmas, and we're going to go back to Isaiah, and we're going to talk about the virgin birth and how it was told about in the Old Testament, and then it was prophesied, and then we come to the New Testament and we go, Matthew and Luke, and they really give us a, a great example of the Christmas story in the Gospels. But we really don't stray too far from that. What I want us to do is I want us to look at the, the whole picture of Christmas. So, and, and we talked a little bit last week that there were some certain things that we talked about that you're like, Travis, it's not really Christmassy. Just wait, okay? Because this morning, <laughs> what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk covenants and what happened in many of these covenants and, and what happened in these covenants wasn't too pretty, okay? So we're going to talk about uh, the covenants and, and what that looks like. But when we go last week, we talked, we went from Genesis and the beginning, and then we went to John and we read in John chapter one uh, of what happened in the beginning and what it looks like. Uh, today, we're going to retell God's salvation story. And what we're going to do is we're going to utilize those major covenants. And there were a lot of covenants in the Old Testament, but I want to hone in on the major covenants. And after all, properly understood, the Bible we know is not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It is God's story. And starting in Genesis all the way to Revelation, we are reading about God's story and how he is going to bring salvation for us. But again, it is his story. In, in 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 2, the Bible is called the Book of the Covenant. See, properly understood, the Old and New Testament are really just the first and second covenants. The word testament is, is Latin. So when we read um, the, the Old Covenant or the, the Old Testament, it's Latin for covenant, okay? So the Old Testament is the Old Covenant. The New Testament is the New Covenant. Now, God's response to our rebellion is to reach out in relationship by making covenants with us. We fell, so he had to do something about it. We couldn't. We couldn't do anything for ourselves, so we had to do, or he had to do something about it. And, and, and when we properly understand Christmas, what we have to understand is the catastrophe of the fall, our sin is what brings about Christmas and ultimately the cross. There's no bargaining, there's no negotiating when it comes to a covenant. Now, when we hear the word covenant, um, that, that's not a word that we really use a lot, right? Like we hear it, it's a church word. But think of contract. What kind of contracts do you enter into? Oh, there we go. Mortgage, yes. All right, I was, going, I was just going to sit here, okay, because I was told I went too short last week, so uh, I'm going to, no, no. Everybody was like, wow, you went short. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, our mortgage, what else? 
Cars? Yep, buying a car. You got to have a, a contract with it. Work? Marriage? See, I wasn't going to go there, but thank you. Yeah, it is a contract. Your marriage is a contract, and actually, it's more of a covenant. And we're going to talk about that here in, in just a minute. Our, our jobs, yes, our credit cards, those are all contracts that we enter into. According to an attorney, a contract is an agreement between two or more parties creating obligations that are enforceable by law. That's what a contract is. Now, again, we're more familiar with contracts and covenants, but there are definitely differences between the two. There's five of them. Covenants are, number one, total. Covenants are total. A contract generally involves only one aspect or a skill or a task. And so you make that contract with the car company that you're going to pay off the car and you're going to make timely payments. And if you don't, there's going to be charges. But for the most part, it has, you know, it, it, it's just one little thing. A, contra or a, a covenant is total. It's also initiative. Someone needs to take the first step when you have a covenant. Now, I know somebody has to take the first step in getting a contract too, but God is the one that is going to take the initiative for us. God is always the one who initiates. It's also unilateral. A contract usually has two parties, right? Sometimes more. But unilaterally, a covenant is with one party. God is the one, as we walk through this, He is the one that is making the covenant with us. It's also unconditional. It also is love. The foundation of all of God's covenant is because He loves us. He unconditionally loves us. And that's what we have to hold on to. The Hebrew word for this basically breaks it down that it is a faithful, steadfast love. Always hopes, always trusts, love never fails. That's what Paul tells us. I love, especially that, that last line there. Love never fails. It holds on. It hangs on. It's always going to be there. That's what God does for us. Lamentations 3, 22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And then lastly, and I know there's a lot of differences here, but one of the things that a covenant has is that it is costly. Covenants are costly. When God makes a covenant, He keeps it. When he makes a promise, you can count on him to come through. Psalm 105 verse 42 says, For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. So let's walk through the various covenants and see how they ultimately bring about Christ. So let's go all the way back to the very first covenant that we have, and that is with Noah. Go all the way back to, to the book of Genesis. And when we go back to the book of Genesis, we have Adam and Eve, and they lived in the garden, right? They, they, they walked in the coolness of the day with God. I mean, how awesome would that have been? But they sinned. And because they sinned, they were kicked out of the garden, sin entered into the world, and then we have a family that is just fracturing all the way down. Cain kills Abel, and Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 6 
I, I just uh, alluded to this last week, but there's a description of how sin entered and exploded in the world. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 6. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I said this last week, and the Lord regretted. Wow. The Lord regretted that he had made us. <laughs> the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Sin was out of control. And God said, I'm just going to wipe out the whole human race. I'll start again. I just, I can't believe that my people would do this. So he was going to start all over again. But he remembered back what happened in Genesis chapter 3. And the promises that he made to Adam and Eve all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And because of that... In Genesis chapter 6, verse 11, Now the earth was corrupt in, in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. <laughs> kind of sounds like the world today, right? And that's the backdrop, again, that Christian or Christmas is set against. The only reason that we have Christmas is because of evil that is in our hearts. We have been separated. The world had been separated and needed a Savior. It's why we have Christmas. God then unleashed a worldwide flood, but Noah and his family members were saved because they entered into the ark. Noah is given the same mission that uh, in Genesis 9-1 that was communicated to Adam back in Genesis 1-28. After the flood was over, God says to Noah, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God then makes a covenant with Noah, and what is that covenant? He gives us, he gives us the, the rainbow, right? He, he, he says, never will I um, send that type of a flood. Again, Genesis 9, 11, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off from the, by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Then we're given the significance of the rainbow. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. So when we look through this, we have Noah having that first real big covenant. And so God entered into a covenant with him that he would never destroy the world again by the flood. Now we move forward, and we come to Genesis chapter 12, and we have the covenant with Abraham. Year later, God, years later, God pursues a man named Abram, Abraham, moves him from a pagan land to a new location, and this is what we read, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Then we go to chapter 15, and the covenant is reaffirmed where God initiates an irreversible relationship with Abraham. Now let's carefully unpack this agreement called a covenant because it's really at the heart of the Bible and it's mentioned 
some 325 times. In the Hebrew, the phrase making a covenant can be to cut a covenant. John Ortberg defines it this way. He says, a covenant is a means to establish a binding relationship where none existed before, based on faithfulness to a solemn vow. Now, what I'm about to share with you is going to be a little gross, all right? Now, I'm going to describe it, and I don't know if you're like me. Um, Teresa loves to watch all kinds of, of, of shows, and, and some of them are kind of disgusting what they show. You know, um, early on, Grey's Anatomy or uh, The Good Doctor, uh, and they're cutting people open, and I'm like, oh, I can't look. Just, just tell me when it's over. And I remember several years ago, we were watching a UFC fight, all right? And it was when Silva went to kick another guy in the shin, and you could watch his ankle and legs snap around the dude's leg. It is nasty, okay? And she wanted to watch it over and over and over again. And I'm like, there's something wrong with you. The rest, all, all the guys in the room were like, oh! And she's like, whoa! You know, like... I'm going to describe this to you, and maybe you need to plug your ears, okay? But, but this is the setting of what a covenant really is. When, when we use the phrase to cut a deal, it has its links all the way back to this very covenant or, or what was happening, okay? So God tells Abraham that he's going to be great. His household's going to be great. And, and Abraham says, God, that's awesome. There's one problem, how am I going to be great when I don't have any kids? And God says, hey, it's going to happen. And they wait, and they wait, and they wait. And Abraham's going, hey, God, I'm getting old here. How, how's, this, how's this all going to happen? Abraham's old. In response to Abraham's question, how can I know, God tells Abraham to gather a heifer, a goat, a ram, and a turtle dove. Never look at that song, that, that, that song ever again the same way. And a young pigeon. And here's where we see how costly a covenant can get. God says, I want you to cut all those animals in half. I want you to dig a trench. I want you to put those animals in half. And this is going to be the covenant. The blood from the animals, it's going to pool through there in all the carcasses. Abraham would have understood from that that God was getting a covenant ready for signing. And it was signed with the cutting of the animals and the blood. Symbolizing that when, and what would typically happen was that two people would walk through those carcasses. And as they walked through those carcasses, um, basically, if you broke that covenant, that same thing would happen to you. You'd be cut in half. Okay, so don't allow that to happen. We actually read this, Jeremiah chapter 34, verse 18 this is the seriousness of it. And the men who transgressed my, transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me, I will make them like the calf that they cut in two and passed between its parts. So Abraham may have been waiting to take this walk with God. However, God is going to cause Abraham to go into a deep sleep. And, and while he's in this sleep, there's going to be this just feeling of, of dread there's going to be this feeling, verse 12, in, in, in chapter 15, verse 12, that dread, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. God tells Abraham that hardships are ahead of the people, and then everything went dark. And then we read, a smoking 
fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. Now the pot and the torch, they represent God. You see, God was walking between these parts. He was the one alone that was making the covenant. And he is saying, I am alone the one that will keep this covenant. He is telling Abraham, I am making a covenant with you and I will never break my covenant. You see, God's covenant with Abraham is based on who God is not on who Abraham is or what Abraham does. And that's what we have to realize today. And we're going to talk about this here in just a second when we come to the new covenant and we have Christ fulfilling that covenant. You receive the blessing and the grace and the mercy of God even when you don't deserve it. You see, the covenant that is made is made saying it's not based on anything you do or how you act. It's all based on his love, that unconditional love that we talked about at the very beginning. Now this covenant with Abraham is repeated and passed along to his son Isaac in Genesis 17 verse 19. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son and you shall call him his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. So Noah to Abraham to Isaac, then to Jacob, who had 12 sons, one of them being Joseph. And that now leads us to the next covenant, and, and that's the covenant that we have with Moses. During the, time of Mo, or during the time of Joseph, the Israelites moved to Egypt. There's a famine, and, and things are kind of going bad, but God had placed Joseph where he was. But then there was a transition for, of Pharaoh's. The Israelites are then put into captivity. They're enslaved. And in Exodus chapter 2, verses 24 through 25, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham. Remember, he's the one that makes the covenant. With Isaac and with Jacob, God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. And then they're set free. They cross through the Red Sea. They're then free, heading towards the promised land, but it doesn't take long for what to happen. <laughs> they fall. They have the golden calf issue. God continues to pursue them, renews his covenant with them. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 10, Behold, I am making a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are, are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Now as you may know from reading the Old Testament, God's people never keep their part. Again, sounds a lot like us today. They continually break his covenant over and over and over again. But I love the promise that God makes in Leviticus chapter 26, verses 44 through 45. Yet for all that when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them, neither will I abhor them, so as to destroy them utterly and break my covenant with them. For I am the Lord their God. But I for, this, for their sake remember the covenant with their forefathers, 
whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. And when we read that, it's our wickedness. Yet it's God's love that shines through, and He remembers His covenant time and time and time again. You see, as a result of God's covenant with Noah, sinners got a chance to multiply and fill the earth. Through his covenant with Abraham, his descendants became a nation. In God's covenant with Moses, God's people are planted in the promised land. And that sets the stage for the establishment of this next covenant. And that is the covenant that will be brought about of David. We have the covenant with David many years later. King David is going to take the throne, and, and God makes a starting promise in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. David is told that after he dies, his throne will continue forever. Look at verses 12 through 13. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your, or with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. You shall come from your body. Whom shall come from, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. After David dies, Solomon is going to take over. Solomon's going to have plenty of his own problems. As you read from uh, the books of Kings and, and Chronicles, you see that the covenant promise remains front and center but king after king leader after leader continue to fall short because of their developed uh, because of this there developed a longing for a coming king something that would be greater and the prophets prophesied about this coming kingdom psalm 89 verses 3 through 4 says it clearly, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I have established your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Go to verse 28. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever and my covenant will stand firm for him. And this is bringing about that new covenant. We move into the New Testament. Before we get there, I just want to jump back. I shared this once before, but go back to Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. You see, the prophets predicted the coming king. They, proph they prophesied about a new covenant, but it seemed like nothing was happening. It's been almost a thousand years since King David has passed away. It's been four centuries, four long years since Malachi has prophesied last. God has went silent. Will that new covenant ever come? It was a question that was on all of the Israelites' minds. Would it come? Surely, God would keep his covenant. And that comes in the form of the baby. Christ is the covenant keeper. So we fast forward. Now, we come to Luke. And as we come to the beginning of Luke, Luke chapter 1, 
Zechariah is going to look down at his baby boy. Travis, you just said Jesus, the coming Messiah, and that's Joseph and Mary. Yeah, you got to go back just a little bit there. Okay, so we, we have John the Baptist who's going to come on the scene first. All right, Zechariah is going to look down at his baby boy. He names him John, and he knows that help is on the way. The long wait is now over. Check out how Zechariah links the coming of his son John and the coming of Jesus to the whole idea of, of the covenant. Luke chapter 1, verses 70 through, 72 and 73. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham. Do you remember the promise made to David? Well, in Luke chapter 1, verse 27, Gabriel was sent to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph from the line of where? From the house of David. When Gabriel gave God's message to Mary, he called on the covenant with David in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 through 33. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end." And as Mary contemplates all that the angel has said to her, she breaks out into song, again linking Christmas to the fulfillment of the kingdom. Look at verses 54 and 55. He, <coughs> excuse me, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Now we jump forward to Luke chapter 2 verse 4. And this is what we read there about Joseph because he was of the house of where? And the lineage of David. Check out how the opening verse of the Gospel of Matthew links the coming of the Christ to the covenant with Abraham and to the covenant of David. The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. King David is mentioned five times in this genealogy. You see, God is the covenant keeper he has been the one making covenants with us this whole time. And Christ is the one that's going to bring about that ultimate covenant. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph, how does he call him? Son of David, do not fear. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 41 through 44, Jesus asked the Pharisees a question. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said, who? The son of David. I, I mean, we see it coming through time and time again. The apostle Paul understood the covenant connection to Christ when he wrote this in Romans chapter 1, verse 3, concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. You see, Jesus is the eternal son of David, and he also ushers in this new covenant that Jesus is going to make with all of us. He said in Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
Luke 22, verse 20 records, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. One of the things, again, we talked about a covenant. It was costly, right? We see that with this blood being spilled. Covenants cost something. But they give us unconditional love. So what are the covenant commitments that we can make today? What is it that we can do? What what is our part in all of this? You see, the coming of Christ is connected to the fulfillment of the covenants in the Old Testament. Now, there's probably many things that we could break down, but I want us just to focus in on on two. What are two commitments that we can make? The first one is, I want you to really think about where you're at right now. As you sit there, as you listen to this message, as you contemplate it later today, where do you stand with the Lord right now? Do you need to renew your commitment? God made a covenant and he has fulfilled every step of it all the way through. And when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we are entering into that covenant with him. We're going to fall short. We're going to mess up. We're going to fail. And right now, wherever you find yourself, maybe you need that renewal in your life. If you've been drifting, it's time to recommit. I want to go back to 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 2 through 3. We read there about King Josiah. He had rediscovered the scriptures. He had found the books of the law and after starting to read them he said you know what I need to recommit my life I need a change in my life and so he recommitted himself and all of Israel this is what we read and the king went up to the house of the Lord and with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the prophets all the people both great and small And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all of his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people joined in the covenants. The Israelites, Josiah, they weren't living right. There's a perfect example of saying, hey, I I need need to recommit. I need to renew my commitment to the Lord. Maybe that's what you need to do right now. You've been walking with him, but there's something you're really struggling with. And you need to just turn it over to him. You need to give it over to the Lord. You can do that today. And you know what's great? 
you don't have to talk to me about it. You don't have to talk to one of the elders about it. You get to go direct. You have direct access to the Lord. You don't have to cut any animals in half anymore. You don't have to pass between them anymore. You don't have to cut a deal because the deal's already been struck. The covenant has already been made. All you have to do is go directly to him. Now, if you need someone to talk with, to pray with, I'm here. The elders are here. Jared and Justin, we're here. We, we would love to, to talk with you and to help you through whatever it is that, that you're working through. What kind of commitment do you need to make today? Number two, share the message of Christmas. Share the message. Talk with those that are around you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says that we are all ministers of a new covenant. It's not just Travis's job. I better be doing my job. But it's all of our jobs. Invite one person. One person that you can think of. In a recent poll of a thousand Americans, Lifeway Research discovered that among them who normally didn't attend church at Christmas time, 57% said they would be opening to going. That's a majority. You know the problem is? They don't know where to go. Do, do I just show up at church? Do I, am I? Is there a dress code? Do I have to? And, and listen, we put that on the website for a reason. You come as you are with clothes on please but here's the thing you come as you are because that's how the Lord accepts you it's not the shoes that you wear it's not the outfit that you wear it's not the, the hat that you have on or don't have on come be in the presence of the Lord you know one of the things that, that we talked quite a bit about um, prior to um, the, the pandemic hitting and us having to close down, I, I always ask you, who's your one more? I, I would love it if, if every single person brought 30 people. But who's one? Start with one. What one person can you invite to come with us next and worship with us next Sunday? In person? Online? can you share the gospel message with? Who can you share your story with? Who can you invite to come to Christmas Eve with? Who's your one more? We're going to take communion at this point. You know, just a few seconds ago, I, I shared a couple of scriptures about the new covenant. Jesus said that whenever we eat and drink, we are remembering what he did, the sacrifice that he made for us. And so if you haven't received your communion, we have them on the back two tables. You can go back there and you can bring those up. And I'm going to pray. And when you're ready, you can partake of that communion. I want you to remember the covenant that Christ made for you and with you. Let's pray. Almighty Father, I thank you so much for the gift of your Son. 
I thank you that you have allowed us to come and to worship you in person, online. Lord, you have given us so many options. Father, I ask that we will commit to you or that we will recommit to your covenant. Lord, it, it costs you everything. You gave your son so that we could live. And what I want us to remember more than anything is that that baby Jesus who came and was born and, and laid in a manger, no crying he makes, that baby grew up and he became our Savior by going to the cross for us. Lord, we thank you for that gift. We pray all of this in your Son's most holy and precious name.